Thank you for tuning in to Business School, the official podcast of the Dan Roberts Academy. Hello and welcome to another episode. Today, we're going to look at creating a customer-centric brand, as in we're going to look at how to help your business be more customer-focused. This will help you make more money. It'll help you be a better marketeer. It'll help you create better vibes amongst your audience and basically make you more successful. I think focusing on becoming customer centric is so important. And we all think we are customer centric, but I think sometimes when we look at our actions, we're like, "Mm, maybe we're not. Now, what do I mean by customer centric? I mean that our customers, their emotions, their needs, their wants are front and center of what we do. That's the way we communicate our ads, our choice of business models, our strategies, our Instagram. Now, many of us are product centric. I've had bouts where I've been focused on being on my energy being focused on products and also the way I communicate being focused on, oh, look, this amazing thing I've created, this new coaching course, and it does this and this and this. And I've forgotten that people don't really care about that. They care about how they feel. So the more you focus about how your customers feel and the more you kind of dedicate your business to improving how they feel, the more success you'll get. So I've broken down today's episode into four key areas. First one is customer service. And this means You have to look at your refund policy, your cancellation policy. For example, if you run a gym, don't lock people in for 12 months. It's like, no, people don't want that. Uh, If you have an online membership site, for example, I've got a membership site. I've got a couple of membership sites and I, I changed one of them to a subscription model. Actually, they've both changed now, but I tried experimenting changing one of my products, which is called the MX Home Workout from a uh, an upfront lifetime membership fee into a subscription fee where you have to pay 40 quid a month, essentially. And I created new content. Anyway, because I was kind of rebranding it slightly and um, selling it in a slightly different way, I changed the way people could cancel. Because in the past, because it was lifetime membership, no one really canceled because there's no point. <laughs> no one, I think one person out of 3,000, 4,000 asked for a refund. So I was thinking, God, if I'm going to do monthly memberships, there are going to be a certain percentage of people which want to cancel. And I'm guessing the lifespan will be about eight, nine months before people want to cancel. But I hate it when I've bought some sort of software and it's a nightmare to cancel. You have to click a million buttons. You have to call up customer service. And it really annoys me. So I've made cancellation super easy. You can literally do it in two clicks. Like two, once you're logged on, two clicks. And it's really straightforward. I don't want people to stay on my site and continue paying me a monthly fee unless they really want to. That is a customer centric approach. Okay. So you got to look at, look at your cancellation policy. Look at all your policies. Refunds is a good one as well. Everything you can really think. Does it serve you or does it serve them? The more things you can do, which serves your customer first, the better. Number two, marketing content. Make it about them not you. <laughs> uh, this includes your, your content on your website, your social media. Have a look at your website right now. Look at your social media. How much of your stuff starts with I and how much starts with you? Now, remember, how do I put this? You're, you're not the hero in their story. You know, we're all quite self-centered, really. And clients and customers come to you because they want to feel a certain way. That's it. So it should be about them. If you want a successful business, make it about them. Now, 
There's something called the hero's journey, which you may or may not heard of. And it's quite famous if you're studying like script writing and filmmaking. Uh, the idea is like, it's one of the classic narratives where we go through a change. The hero's journey is like you start in one place, something happens and you grow. For example, Rocky or Neo in the Matrix or Luke Skywalker or Bilbo Baggins in The Hobbit. The idea is the protagonist goes through a journey and that journey changes them fundamentally. Now, we are all the protagonist in our own story. Now, there's a guy called Joseph Campbell who wrote about this. And if you indulge me for a few minutes, I'm actually going to break down what he said, because I think it's really interesting. And the, the more you understand stories and the hero's journey in particular, the more you get better at understanding behavioral psychology. And you'll understand why people get emotionally connected to brands like Ferrari or Gucci or Gold Gym or, or Nike. It makes them feel something. And great marketing and fitness and wellness industry I think really taps into the hero's journey and helps your customers go through a change. So you're, you know, whatever products or services you provide, you will always be in demand. Always, always, always. If you help people become the person they deep down want to be. Anyway, let's talk about Joseph Campbell. So he wrote about the hero's journey uh, and he broke it down into 12 steps. Uh, if this isn't interesting, just fast forward a few minutes. If it is interesting, just keep on listening. Stage one, the ordinary world. The hero, uneasy, uncomfortable, unaware, is introduced sympathetically to the audience so they can identify with the situation or dilemma. The hero is shown against a background of environment, hereditary, and personal history. Some kind of polarity in the hero's life is pulling in different directions and causing stress. Stage two, the call to adventure. Something shakes up the situation, either from external pressures or from something rising up from deep within, so the hero must face the beginnings of change. Stage 3. Refusal of the call. The hero feels the fear of the unknown and tries to turn away from the adventure, however briefly. Alternatively, another character may express insanity and danger ahead. Stage 4. Meeting with the mentor. The hero comes across a seasoned traveller of the world who gives him or her training, equipment or advice that will help him on their journey or her on the journey. Number five, crossing the threshold. At the end of Act One, the hero commits the leaving of the ordinary world and enters a new region or condition with unfamiliar values or rules. I mean, you may be, we're halfway through, you may be thinking of all kinds of films right now, like Rocky or Lord of the Rings, or you may be thinking about one of your clients on a big weight loss journey. Like I said, the hero's journey isn't about fantasy stories. It's about what happens in our life when we change jobs, when we get new relationships, when we change our body. Stage six. Tests, allies and enemies. The hero is tested and sorts out allegiances in the special world. Stage seven in Joseph Campbell's 12 steps of the hero's journey is the approach. The hero and newfound allies prepare for the major challenge in the special world. Stage eight, the ordeal. Near the middle of the story now, the hero enters a special space in the special world and confronts death or faces his or her greatest fear. Out of that moment of death comes a new life. Stage nine, we're getting there. The reward. The hero takes possession of the treasure won by facing death. There may be celebration, but there's also danger of losing the treasure again. 
Stage 10, The Road Back. This is about three quarters of the way through the story. The hero is driven to complete the adventure, leaving the special world to be sure the treasure is brought home. Often a chase scene signals the urgency and danger of the mission. I'm thinking of Point Break now, which I adore. Anyway, stage 11, The Resurrection. As the climax, the hero is severely tested once more on the threshold of home. He or she is purified by the last sacrifice, another moment. Say that again, another moment of death and rebirth, but on a higher and more complete level. By the hero's action, the polarities that were in conflict at the beginning are finally resolved. And finally, stage 12 of the hero's journey, return with the elixir. The hero returns home or continues the journey, bearing some element of the treasure that has the power to transform the world as the hero has been transformed. That comes from Joseph Campbell, a bit of synopsis um, from, where did I take that from? God, somewhat online. I took that from, clearly I was badly reading that out. But it's interesting, isn't it? Interesting. So if you want to write a film, you want to write a story, anything from The Alchemist or, oh my God, I mean, there's millions of stories. I mean, so many stories fit that narrative. And people want to be a hero in their own story. You know, it's that classic thing, like, imagine you're the lead character in your own movie. What would you do? If you think about that, it's really kind of exciting and empowering, and it's a nice way of living your life. And if someone comes to you because they want to change their diet or they want to get fit, it's not they want to learn how to do a bicep curl or understand what kind of omega fatty acids they should eat. No, they want to go for a change. They want to be a new version of themselves. They want to see themselves as a healthy person or as an athlete or whatever. You know, you're in the fitness and well-being industry. People coming to you, they want change. You know, they want to be, they're already playing a part in the story. They want to be the hero in the story and they want a happy ending. That sounds weird. You know what I mean? And I just want to say something about Instagram here. I mean, true of all social platforms, but Instagram is the worst or the best, depending on how you look at it, because um, we tend to focus quite a lot on personal branding, which is a different thing. And I think I definitely am going to dedicate at least one episode to Um and the problem with personal branding is we end up just talking about ourselves. You know, I mentioned earlier, like about how much your website says you or I. Look at your last Instagram post. Was it like I, 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 or was it was it really helping? Point is, if it's all about you, unless you are crazy famous, I don't think people give a shit. You know, and I think as a if you're a coach, I mean, I'm biased. I'm a coach. Um, yes, I do talk about me, but. There's always, when I talk about me, there's always a direct reason, like I'm trying to do something inspiring or educational. I rarely talk about me just for the sake of it because no one cares. I mean, sometimes I do, but most of the time I'm trying to offer value because that's what people want. I'm trying to help other people because that's why I'm a coach. So yeah, um, yeah, have, have a think about that. Have a think about the hero's journey. Think about how you can help your clients, your customers go on their journey what you know your role essentially as a mentor if you sell a product an ebook an app or anything a nutrition service you are helping them on their hero's journey how can that be clearer explained in terms of your marketing and how can you actually better do it it's not just about marketing it's about actually doing it how do i think about that okay number three on my four tips to becoming a more customer-centric brand know your customers know your current ones and know your future ones. Current ones, easy. Talk to them. Now, if you have a less than, I don't know, 100 customers or clients, whatever it may be, 
call them up, talk to them, get to know them, get emotionally involved. You know, they've, they're giving you their time or money to you. You should definitely uh, get to know them. You, you owe it to them and you owe it to your business. Ask some questions. I mean, ask them why they picked your product, what they like, what they don't like. Then, you know, just the more you find out about people, the more you can get an understanding of like, ah, oh, so it's these kind of people like my services or it's, it's all kinds of people when they're in this particular place. That'll tell you something, you know, it may be different from what you expected. It might make you realize, oh, that's why I don't really like my clients at the moment. Maybe because I'm attracting this type and it'll, it'll give you better I'll give you more data so you can make better decisions in terms of if you need to slightly rebrand the way you do things or if you need to dial in on a certain aspect of your marketing. Now, if you're a new business or you're going through a rebrand, it's really helpful to create a customer avatar. Now, you may have come across this before. A customer avatar is basically the ideal customer in your head. And normally, if you talk to like a branding specialist, they'll give them a name. So Sally, she does this and she's this old, she reads this magazine, blah, blah, blah. This is what I want to talk about now because it used to be quite basic. Like I remember about 10 years ago, I had some branding company help my company and it was real basic. I didn't find it that useful. And I think over the years, the old way of understanding customers has been has been updated dramatically because it used to be how old, you know, what's their social economic income, uh, their sex and how old they are. So it was so basic. It didn't really help anything. Nowadays, People who really understand branding and really understand selling and marketing actually create avatars which are based not just on demographics, but also identity and the challenges and problems that person has. Let me explain in a bit more detail. So you know what? Before I forget, I've got to say, you can have more than one avatar. Like if you have multiple services and products, you may have like 10 different avatars. That's fine because different products and services appeal to different people. That's actually quite a smart way of doing it. So what are the questions you should ask yourself about your perfect client, your customer avatar, to help you really understand who they are? Well, demographics first. Uh, how old are they? Are they male or female? How much money do they earn? Do they have kids? Um, any hobbies or habits? What's their job status, job title? Where do they live? Where do they go on holiday? What's their religion? What's their politics? What's their race? Right? There's quite a few there. Are they an extrovert or an introvert? Well, that's kind of moving into personality, but, you know, a lot, of, a lot of things there. Next, let's talk about the identity and their goals of your client. So what's their biggest dreams? What are they trying to do? What are their short-term goals? What are their long-term goals? What are they trying to achieve? Like you listen to this here. I'm guessing you run a business. I'm guessing you're in the fitness and well-being space. What is it you want? I'm guessing you want to grow your business and be more successful. Otherwise, why on earth are you listening to me? So because of that, it helps me hopefully talk on a level which is relevant and useful. And I don't spend ages talking about how I teach bicep curls because it's not relevant. Now, a thing you can do, which is really helpful here, is make a list of values and goals that are relevant to what you offer. So you offer uh, personal training then it could be the values which are, are relevant to someone is how their body looks, how their body feels, their health. Their goals could be to look like a movie star. It could be to, you know, not have a heart attack. It could be to feel good in a dress. Think about it. Obviously, the more specific you make it, the more useful it'll be for you. And finally, identity challenges. This is the third element to really dialing in 
who your who your perfect client, your customer avatar is. So you need to find out what their challenges are, what their pain points are. Now, if you know the goals your customers want to achieve, this should be relatively straightforward in a way because there's some typical obstacles, for example, weight loss. There's usually some intrinsic uh, barriers, like about self-belief and confidence, and usually external ones as well, be it what's happening in their social circle. You know, if all their friends and their partner are really overweight and really happy about it, then it's going to be really tough if you want to lose weight, right? This exercise will help you understand your customers, will understand their frustrations, understand who they are, what they're about. That will give you empathy. When you can empathize with a potential customer, it's a hell of a lot easier to market effectively, to make more sales. I mean, essentially, whatever business you have, you have a product or service you find out who wants to buy it, like who's a good fit, and then you tell those people and they give you money. It's pretty straightforward, really. It shouldn't be, if you're new to business, it shouldn't be, um, I know it can feel overwhelming, but the principles are pretty straightforward. And understanding your ideal customers is a hugely important part of this process. Another thing I want to say regarding knowing your customers um, and creating an avatar if you're a luxury brand or offering something really luxury, part I've had this with one of my mentorees. They're like, hey, I can't really think of a... They don't have any pain points because they're rich and famous. And that, that kind of proved to me that he didn't really work with these people. He wanted to work with these people because whatever type of people you want to work with, they have their pain points, you know, and they have their, they have their things they really want. Um, for example, my most expensive thing I have on... Uh, as a company which we offer, is a week-long retreat which costs $50,000. Now, that doesn't appeal to everyone, but I'm very clear of the ideal customer to that. And I, I've had many, many, many sales over the last 10 years of this particular uh, retreat because I'm only trying to advertise to 0.001% of the population who who have got very specific needs, very specific values, and very specific standards because only a certain small amount of people would appreciate that kind of retreat. And I understand those people very, very well. So the marketing I do for that particular retreat is geared to completely to those people. So whatever product you have, whatever service you have, you can, doesn't matter how niche it is or how mainstream it is, you need to really think about who your ideal customer is. All right. Okay, let's move on. Final point four is customer experience. Uh, this means you've got to look at like the website experience, uh, the experience when people walk into your studio or gym or when they have a workout with you or use your app or how they buy and read your ebook, whatever it is, it needs to be, it needs to be a very positive experience. I, I guess three dimensional experience. I don't know if that's the right way of saying it, but what I mean by that is. It needs to over deliver for one. That means you need to promise nine out of 10, but they're actually getting 10 out of 10. You need to, just like I mentioned earlier, after they buy it, phone them up or contact them and actually say, Hey, how can I be of more help? Is this useful? Um, have you started this yet or whatever it may be? You know, whatever you're, you know, if you're selling a, an ebook and it's seven chapters, maybe after three days, say, Hey, you should be, you know, you should have read it by now. You should be on chapter three. I don't know about you, but my favorite thing was this. How are you finding it? Just build a conversation, you know, um, not just to upsell people later on, even though that's a smart move, but also just to be nice. And it's so rare that companies do this. 
You know, the companies which do this really well are luxury brands and they have a hell of a lot of loyalty. Hotels, uh, fashion houses do this, like the top end ones. And it really helps. You want your customers to talk about you behind your back. That's the big benefit of having a customer centric business is that your customers who are essentially your sales force, your PR team, your marketing team, you know, if you, if you're selling right and you've got a good product, good service and you, and you're customer focused, they are your sales team and they will be talking about you behind your back. You know, you know what? Even if you've got a bad product, people will be talking about you behind your back. So you might as well make it good. <laughs> um, now, in regards to your website, there's something called UX design, which you may or may not know of. And um, please forgive me if this comes across a bit patronizing if you know what it is. But UX is user experience. And you have a lot of UX designers out there, a lot of UX specialists. Uh, it tends to be, I mean, I've, I've used a UX designer for my current website. It tends to be with companies who are turning over like at least over £50,000 a year. That's when you start thinking about it. Maybe a hundred grand, 150, you definitely bring someone else in. But you know what? You can do a lot of stuff yourself. And a lot of it is just thinking. Just put yourself in the customer's shoes, you know, having empathy, put yourself in their mind and think, what do we need from this website? How do we want to be, how do we want to navigate it? That means you think about the color scheme. You think about the white space. You think about the menus. You think about how you can click back. You can think about the speed, all the things which kind of uh, give you joy when you visit a website, which is usually, it's a very seamless experience, right? I think works and you can find out what you want to find out. Then there's, you know, there's no issue. If you think back to our websites, which annoy you, it's probably because either it's too slow or you couldn't find something, you got lost or there were spelling errors or you didn't understand what was going on. Don't be that company. <laughs> um, you know, I've talked about some of the companies like Nike and Amazon before. The most amazing companies out there, the most complex companies as well, if they've got really strong brands, have a look at their website. They make everything look so simple and so easy. Look at Google. Alphabet, you know, one of the biggest companies in the world. Google is fantastically clear. It's really simple. You don't need instructions how to use it. Make your website or app or, or any kind of online product you sell really, really easy, really simple to navigate, make it clear, make the experience pleasant. All right. So that was it. There were the four tips, four areas of how you can make your business more customer centric. To recap, we talked about customer service. We talked about, I guess, marketing and communication. We talked about understanding and knowing your customers better. And then we finally talked about customer experience. So I've got a challenge for you. With all being all that I've sort of all that I've talked about in the last what 10, 15 minutes, I don't know how long I've been talking. I want you to think of one thing you can do right now to make your business more customer centric for the rest of the year. One thing you can change. Now, it could be about your product design. It could be about your business model. It could be about your Instagram strategy. It could be about your web design, uh, the copy you create for your Google ads. Doesn't matter. I want you to think of one thing which you think will have a dramatic impact the rest of the year. Think about it, write it down and make it happen. All right. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Business School, the official podcast of the Dan Roberts Academy. 
To find out more about how we help coaches, instructors, and fitness entrepreneurs upskill and enjoy more success, please see danrobertsgroup.com or follow us on Instagram at the Dan Roberts Academy.